Catalonia, or Catalonia as we're supposed to call it, <coughs> because we're English and not actually Catalan. Uh, it's uh, looking out the window here um, in this hotel just uh, a mile or two from the track. It's currently raining. It looks like it's going to rain all, uh, uh, all weekend, or at least on Friday and Sunday. Um, so all of a sudden we have an interesting MotoGP weekend ahead of us. Yeah, it should be very interesting. It's, in, it's actually it's quite apt that it happens today that it's raining because a couple of hours ago Bradley Smith was talking about the key thing whenever you've got a package that you know is that you can have a wet Friday, still turn up qualifying on Saturday and be able to immediately get in the pace. Whereas if you've got a package that's slightly off-key, it means that you're behind the eight ball right from the start of the weekend and that's what's going to be the key this weekend. Exactly. What was interesting is Mugello, um, Marquez talking all the time about we spent all Friday and Saturday looking for uh, testing new things out, looking for a setup, working on setup, and then because they were working on setup, they missed out on Q uh, on Q one, and then they messed up in Q one, didn't go through to Q two, and ended up starting from thirteenth. I mean, he made up ten positions by the time he got into the first corner, but that's that's a separate issue. But it does mean right now the Hondas, what they need most of all is uh, setup time. Is setup time, and setup time means uh, nice, consistent conditions where the track grip doesn't change too much. Preferably, the temperature doesn't change too much. It'll obviously be warmer in the in the afternoon than in the morning. But it looks like they're going to have soaking wet tomorrow. Lose basically two sessions on Friday. Uh, it'd be dry perhaps on Saturday, um, where you might end up with a dirty track or the track is just not behaving properly it'll clean up a little bit during maybe in the afternoon and so you've got uh, you've got mixed conditions again this is exactly the the completely wrong uh, conditions for MotoGP or for, for for Honda yeah and even at this track this is the one that would have been a key track for them to actually be able to understand the bike if you remember we used to always come testing here we used to always do an awful lot of work here because you've got slow corners fast corners heavy braking lots of acceleration you've got all the things that you need to be able to test your bike yeah and if you lose two sessions tomorrow it means that you've lost half your running for the weekend and you've lost half the time to be able to find a solution if this had been you know an, another track maybe at Assen in two weeks time where you lose the first day it's not as important because Assen's a unique track whereas here this would have been a, a key one for them to actually be able to make progress on the bike because They've been searching for a certain solution all year, all the way through testing. They haven't been able to find it. And they just need track time, they need to understand it. And then they need to know whether or not they can actually solve it. Exactly. And the other thing is they've actually got new parts here. They've got a new exhaust, which is uh, the only part of the engine which they... or Well, the only part of the... Um, uh, the only part of the engine which they could actually affect the engine performance, that and the, that and the inlets. Um, and so, which they're going to really want to try and test out and see if that makes a difference. But if it's cold and damp um, and they've already got too much power, then you, nice, cold, moist air, that should uh, give them an extra, you know, five or ten horsepower, which they've just been trying to kill with the bloody, horse, with the, bloody exhausts. Um, it's, really, it's really all going... A little bit wrong for them. Yeah, it's all going a little bit wrong for them right now. But I remember at Sepang one, whenever they showed up with five different bikes for Mark, yeah, four bikes for Danny, 
God knows how many bikes for test riders and things like that. Like I remember we turned to each other in the press room and said, Honda clearly don't have a chassis for this year. It's like anything else. If you've got three solutions, you've got no solutions. Yeah. You know, and, and right now they've ended up with getting chasing their tail for most of the year so far. Yeah. And it's hard to see how they're gonna really rectify it this weekend, Assen or any of the, the races coming up. They need a big step and maybe the new exhaust will help with the engine braking maybe they'll be able to get something to make it a bit smoother but are they still going to find the solution for corner entry corner exit or are they only just going to find a little bit of an improvement and that's what we needed to see a dry Friday to be able to really find out yeah and they're going to be looking forward to the test on Monday when the, um, hopefully it should be completely dry and they should have some they should have some you know some decent track time but that's not going to do them any good on Sunday yeah, we're already six races down. You have another bad weekend now. That's seven races, nearly half the season done. And it's going to be hard for them to see them really coming back. Like Mark's 49 points down at the moment. And uh, do you give them much of a chance of really being able to solve that between now and and to actually still be a title contender? Exactly. The, 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 the press conference was interesting in the sense that um, uh, Mark, Jorge and uh, Valentina were all asked you know, 49 points down is that after six races, is that a uh, is that a gap that can be bridged and all three of them said no, no, no we're all, you know, it, you can't write Mark off yet, it's still way too early um, Valentino Rossi used the words we're worried well we're all very worried he didn't look very worried when he said he was worried uh, but there is still a lot of racing left you were left I mean you know 12 it's 12 races is, we're only a third of the way in but 49 points I mean uh, Jorge gave two great examples um, he came back in 2013 he came back from a 50 point def- deficit and nearly were uh, nearly beat Mark uh, for the championship in 2006 Valentino came back from a 50 point deficit and he nearly beat uh, uh, Nicky Hayden to the championship however nearly doesn't score you anything in this game I mean they, he nearly beat them but he didn't beat them yeah I think like you know all things being equal yeah you'd say Mark is still in it there's plenty of races left but what have we actually seen this year that would yeah. indicate that he's got the chance of actually doing that I haven't seen anything I think yeah, he's probably still the fastest rider in the world, but that's not doesn't count for much whenever the bike underneath him isn't good enough. And if this was a year where he was only up against one guy, then yeah, fifty points, forty nine points, that's surmountable. But instead he's up against Lorenzo Rossi, the Ducatis are strong, Cal's been having good races, you know, there's just too much competition there to really think that forty nine points is gonna be a bridgeable gap for me like you said earlier there are no more easy third places yeah it's basically if you're off it one weekend as Jorge found out at the start of the season if you're off it you know you're fifth or sixth and you're not giving away nine points you're giving away 14 15 points and that's that's all of a sudden gaps open up really really quickly that way yeah like if there's one thing that you've seen time and time again it's that momentum's everything in this and when it's not with you it's not with you and Mark's had plenty of momentum for the last two and a half years mm. this is the first time we've seen him really have to struggle Yeah. so it's been interesting to see how he's reacted to it and in fairness to him he's reacted pretty well Like he's dug his heels in, he's worked hard and 
he's he's shown that he can put in that kind of work but the hand is still not good enough he's yeah. been the one that's leading that development so maybe it could be a lack of experience on his part when you lose Danny for most of the season really so far that also means that there's been more onus put on to his feedback whereas I think maybe if they had had Danny's feedback they would have been able to make a more balanced bike yeah, I mean, I definitely think that. I mean, the, the trouble is that Danny is such a unique rider in, uh, in himself, just because he's so small. Uh, he does things. Carl Crutchlow always says that he's most. And in Maverick Vignola said the same thing. He's always most impressed by uh, by Danny Pedrosa because he, he he does things which shouldn't be possible, physically possible, uh, for a man of his stature. And um, so, yeah, his setup is different, but at least he, he's, he's precise, he's predictable, his feedback is good. Uh, quite clearly, um, uh, I remember the, the, the Honda of what in 2008, 2009, the bike was terrible, but it was the, the led to a large degree by Pedrosa, which actually turned it around and turned it into a bike that um, uh, eventually Casey came in and uh, jumped on the bike and started to, uh, and won a championship straight away. Yeah, well, Danny's got the reference points to be able to to make the comparisons, be able to see what's actually making a change. Whereas Mark doesn't have that; he's only there two years. Yeah. So it's hard to have that. And then when you look at the difference experience makes, you only have to look at some of the other bikes that are being developed now, like the Ducati and things like that. You know, yes, they've had Gigi given and and a new impetus within the team, but they've also had Dobby given detailed feedback on what's actually making the changes they had Cal last year doing the same and that's really what it takes it takes a balance between two three riders to actually allow you to develop the bike like that yeah exactly I mean DK were, were very lucky with their feedback last year because they had Dobby who'd ridden both the Honda and the Yamaha they had uh, Cal who came in who'd come over from the Yamaha uh, and then they had Gigi who knew how to put it all together and I think that made um that must have helped a lot. And David, I mean, to me, David Chioso is one of my. Uh, he's now my go-to guy for asking technical questions because he can explain how bikes behave, how things work really, really well. Even though you know he's speaking English, which is his his second language, and clearly his second language. He has a very limited vocabulary in it, but it's a. It, well, he speaks motorcycle English like. Uh, like so many riders, but uh, it, still, his explanations are just uh, are just outstanding. So obviously, a lot of that came back to um, uh, went back to um, a lot of that went back to Gigi Gigi Delinia went back to Ducati. They used a lot of that uh, that input and, and well built a bike which is extremely competitive. And you have to say. That uh, if there, if anyone can stop the Yamahas from running away here, it's got to be the Ducatis. Yeah, we're at a point now where Ducati need to piss or get off the pot. They need to pick up a win. Yeah. And I think everyone thought Magello would be the one for them, but Catalonia's got a long straight. It's got corners that suit that bike. That bike for me is probably the most balanced bike on the grid. And I think once they pick up one win, they'll pick up a lot of wins. And this could easily be the race where they do it, even if it's wet. Dobby's always gone pretty well in the wet. He had his only win was in the wet at Donington. So, and he's always gone well in Catalonia as well. He was talking today about how much he loves racing here. Yeah. So all those sort of things would sort of paint towards uh, Ducati finally getting that win over the course of, maybe not this week, but over the next couple of weeks, they, they could easily pick up the win. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of tracks coming which are going to suit them. Um, I can certainly see Bruno, for example, being good for them as well. Uh, you'd have to wonder how how they're going to go at Indy because I think that could be that could be very interesting. Yeah, and you're at the tracks where Ian O'Neill walked away from the field in Moto Two as yeah. well, so he's going to be strong too. I think that I think that Ducati maybe not going into races as favourite at the moment. That's a bit bit of a stretch, but you'd definitely be picking them to be right there with the Yamahas and ahead of the Hondas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the there is only the small matter of the nine-time world champion and the four-time world champion on those uh, yeah on those blue bikes, uh, which would actually stop him. I mean, you know, the the the, the biggest problem bet, uh, between uh, between Ducati and a win is Valentino Rossi and Jorge Lorenzo, and uh, Lorenzo is clearly in the form of his life. Rossi's probably in the form of his life as well, but they're they're just struggling to get the bike set up at the start of the at the start of the weekend. Which again, I think this the rain forecast for if it rains tomorrow, that's going to be a really really big disadvantage for uh, uh, for Rossi over the uh, in the race because what's happened is that Jorge has turned up at the last three races, basically Friday morning FP one, and just been just ground it out like a I mean he's been completely robotic he's been on it he's been happy he's been fairly con, uh, he's been consistent he's just been grind, grinding out really really fast laps strings and strings of fast laps and it's hard to see past it's hard to see how that stops yeah the last three races have been absolute Lorenzo prototype races mm. he qualifies well front row pole gets into the first corner and uh, just walks away from the field and if he starts on pole and he makes a good start you're not going to see which way he goes this weekend either it's just impossible to look past him right now but if he is some sort of an issue or if you know maybe Rossi does end up finding the right solution early in the weekend because in fairness the key thing is they've always found that solution even if it's been a change from warm up or whatever they've found the solution each week so there's no reason to think that it'll stop this weekend I think the test on, on Monday is going to be key for Yamaha as well. They need to be able to find a base setting that works better for Rossi exactly. from the outset. Uh, to, to an extent, that's one of the things that's been interesting about Bradley Smith this year, that they have basically had a base setup which has started, uh, which has yeah, given them a good start to every weekend. It shows the importance of it. Um, and so far he's been his, his, his teammate, the, the, who is on a factory contract, he's been him five times... Uh, five times out of six, which is which is not bad going. But I mean, yeah, Bradley's not going to win this year, uh, or he's not going to win this weekend. But uh, uh, it, it certainly sheds an interesting light on on the work which Rossi has to do. Rossi and his crew have to find the right setup at uh, um, early in the weekend and not on Sunday morning. Yeah, it's about being able to come in with something that works right from the start. And if you can do that, then you're only making incremental changes. You're just tinkering, and that's what that's what Rossi's crew needs to get to. That's what they were at their best with JB. It was whenever, like I'm sure Burgess would say the same. It's he was never going to reinvent a wheel, yeah. but he was going to make sure that that wheel was as close to perfect as it could be, so that you could turn up in any race and be quick. Rossi's not had that for a few years, but I think he's pretty close to getting to that point now again. Yeah. Galvisari's coming up with different ideas every week there's only so many different ideas you can have so 
I think it's going to get closer and closer between him and him and Lorenzo now. But looking at the championship, you'd have to say that Rossi's probably he's sitting there rubbing his hands together. He hasn't won in three three rounds, and he's still, and he's still leading the, the championship. Yeah, absolutely. But the one question mark. I mean, what's your view of um, Jorge Lorenzo in the rain? Because I know there's a lot of people who have question marks over him. That the the the, the crash at Aston in 2013. Um, not so much the crash. I mean, the crash hurt. The crash is always hurt. Um, but the recovery period, the fact that he, because he basically he broke his collarbone on the, in a big, big crash um, on the Thursday, uh, flew to Barcelona overnight, came back, um, had it plated, came back, uh, turned up for warm up on Sunday morning, and raced with it, and it was an incredible. It was just an absolutely incredible performance to do that but mentally I think it took an enormous amount out of him uh, and then especially two weeks was it a week later or two weeks later I can't remember if it was uh, if there was if it was one or two weeks before it then going over going to the Saxon ring falling off and bending the plate which he just put on it had put on his um, on his collarbone that really really uh, I, that was a real kick in the nuts that really took a big big bite out of his um, mental fortitude and that's, I think, now the question mark is the rain. Yeah, well, last year Lorenzo was talking about it and he said that he was spooked in the rain. But he's a very different rider now than he was yeah. 12 months ago. And he's riding now with confidence, which he didn't do at all last year. So that's what's going to be the big thing. Maybe now, even if it gets wet this weekend, he'll be able to show that what happened in 2013 is long past now and he's able to just actually go in, ride like he used to in the wet. Because he was always good in the wet. So I'm sure that if it's wet this weekend, it's not going to make a big difference to him. No, I mean, what was really weird was that it was, uh, uh, I mean, it was wet in, uh, or it was, you know, half wet, half dry in the race at Assen, and he was absolutely awful. It was just, the, it was the worst race. It was the worst I've ever seen him ride. It was the worst I think he's ever seen himself ride. It was just a terrible race. And then he went to Saxon Ring two weeks later, and um, he was fine. You know, it was, again, it started. Did it start raining? It started raining just before or just after the. Uh, or no, it had been raining before. It was, the start of the it, race. I think it was raining at the end of the Moto2 Moto two race, and then That's it was right. dry enough to start on slicks. Yeah, in the GP, but but yeah, but it was tricky. It was yeah. risky taking a, a, a start, a starting on slicks, uh, and Lorenzo totally was totally confident, comfortable in that race. So the, clearly, uh, it's not always an issue. It's just something of an issue. So we'll have to wait and see what the what the track does and what the weather does on Sunday to see how he actually reacts. Yeah, rider psychology is always a bit of a mystery, really. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what won't be a mystery at the end of this weekend will be we'll actually see what the Suzuki's like with power. Yeah, and they'll have new engines in both bikes this weekend, and we'll be able to actually see whether or not they're they're able to translate their their grip on the bike as it currently stands with a lack of power and see if it's still going to turn brake and yeah, handle I mean, well it, it's going to be ironic that they get a brand new engine here with more horsepower and um, uh, then it bloody pisses down the rain and they can't actually use any of it they have to turn it all back down again the other question marked for me is whether they will come with two engines, uh, one for each bike, or uh, two engines in the sense of that um, uh, uh, both Aleish and Maverick will have new engines in both bikes, or whether they will have one new engine each 
and have uh, an old engine in the in the new one. But I think, uh, as far as I remember, they've, they've so far they've only used two engines uh, all season, so they've got another ten, so they can afford to throw engines around. Yeah, they, I think that they've got one new one each, but we'll have to wait and, and actually see. I think it's probably more likely that they will only go one one new, one old on each bike, and then just allow them to be able to do back-to-back tests and then things like that on it as well, so that they're able to actually see where the improvements are being made but when you talk to the guys in Suzuki when they were talking about the work that was done in Japan by the test riders all the test riders said that the new engine was a big step forward and Suzuki are pretty hopeful that they're going to be maybe not matching Yamaha but pretty close to Yamaha's power output and that'll be enough to put them in the ballpark so the key thing is going to be seeing if that chassis works I think we've always seen it in the past a chassis with a lack of power behind it will always work relatively well once you start putting in more power it suddenly goes to shit so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if Suzuki can actually control that well yeah I'm, yeah, and the proof of the pudding is in the eating the only way we're actually going to find out whether it's any good or not is uh, uh, it, it is come Sunday turning to Moto2 you have to fancy Tito Rabat here I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Sam Lowe's this weekend actually just on the basis of he's now had a test up in Aragon for two days he's worked on the bike in warmer conditions so I think he's now found a good balance in all conditions on that bike and he's pretty much been when the bike is sorted he's been faster than anyone all year it's just a case of getting it to actually work right if it's wet if it's dry I think Sam's going to be pretty confident either way Uh, well yes yeah exactly that is the the, the range is going to be the big question mark but uh, I mean, Tito here last year was pretty uh, was pretty impressive. Tito is um, Magello was pretty impressive. He's got his uh, he's got his mojo back, uh, which some well he left in a uh, left in a locker at uh, at Almeria or something, and um, and he did only found it again once he went to uh, Jerez. But since then he's been he's really been on a roll. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, just what happens there yeah I think with with Tito and I'm not too sure how many share the view on it but I always I never really rated him all that high just on the basis of what he was doing with teams up until last year mm. halfway through last year I started to change and I thought like you know what he's actually he's, he's doing well he's a good rider but I still don't think he's got that ultimate turn of pace I think he's incredibly consistent he can find his speed and he can work towards that but I don't think he can raise it if he has to. Well, this is this is the question, but the only way you actually find out is when someone actually takes it to him and starts challenging him. Um, yeah. And what, how fast was the pace in Mugello? Uh, yeah, yeah, but how far, how fast was the pace in Moto in MotoGP in Mugello? I mean, it was one of the one of the. I think it was only a Lorenzo who was anywhere near his pace from last year, and the rest was all were all you know seconds off basically. Mm. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's really difficult to say. I mean, you are right. What I've, it is really, really odd. Rabat's uh, uh, practice sessions because he goes out, basically goes out on a, and does a race simulation in every single free practice. And you have to wonder are they actually? I mean, obviously the bike works because he's usually fastest after at the end of that race, race simulation. But I mean, are they doing anything to the bike? Does it, does the bike actually need anything doing? Could he be faster if he put more work into it? Well, this comes back to what we were talking about with 
Brad and different writers having a base setting. If yeah. you've got a base setting that works, you can do that. But if you go to a racetrack that it doesn't work on, you can't go out and do that kind of thing. I think with the Calix, Calix bike especially, like I think that the riders are able to find a pretty optimum baseline that will work everywhere and they can go out and work on it. But I think you'd have to look at this year especially and say whether or not Rabat is best served going out and doing those race sims yeah. in every practice session. Yeah, well, I mean, this year he's got a couple of riders who are clearly cap- capable of challenging him in yeah, Sarko, Lowe's. Uh, we'll have to see what happens to Rins. I, uh, I'm really surprised to see that Rins has, is suffering from arm pump and has had surgery to fix his arm pump, which basically means he's facing a pretty tough, uh, uh, tough weekend because he's, you know, he's fresh off arm pump surgery. But uh, it's, it, I mean, there's a lot of riders have arm pump in MotoGP, but Moto2, um, they're big, heavy bikes, but they don't have the brakes, they don't have the horsepower. So, well, I think over the course of the last few years, you know, we've seen Hoodie and Simon had it, a couple of other riders as well. It's not like it was whenever it was 250s. Yeah, it's much more physical. But you'd also have to ask questions about guys having it on a Moto2 bike. Yeah, I think Rins the last couple of races, he's lost his way a little bit. But you can't really rule him out from suddenly making a big jump forward. I think Tom Ludy's the big wild card right now. He's on good form. He could easily come in this weekend and and do well. I think he's won here in one two fives. And yeah, yes, I, yeah, yeah. I remember Ludy uh, being strong in battles with Espargaro and, and and Marquez in the past. So he's definitely got. He's got to be a rider to take in, uh, into account. And of course, there's Zarco as well. So uh, Zarco's been the one that's impressed me this year. Yeah. Now, admittedly, he's still only won two Grand Prix in his career, and that's the surprising stat with Zarco because he was a one-two-five title contender. He's a really strong rider, but he needs to just get adding more and more wins to that to actually really be able to legitimise his his championship chances. Yeah, but I think I think that's just basically about having confidence and self-belief, and I think a team that wants him. Yeah, that's right. Having everything in having everything in place. At a, um, uh, I spoke to Alessio Spargaro at um, at Mugello, and he had, had some very interesting things to say about being in a team and working with a team, and uh, the way that he needs to feel like he has a family around him and uh, have complete faith in his uh, in his team, the people around him. And if you have that, uh, you, you saw that to a certain uh, to a certain extent with with. Casey, when Casey moved to Honda, he took all of his people there. When Valentino moved to Ducati, he took all of his people there. When, uh, uh, when Valentino moved, moved, from, moved from from Honda to, to Yamaha, he took all of his people there. You have a group around you who you trust and you feel confident with, and it just uh, um, that is clearly worth a couple of uh, a couple of tenths a couple of tenths a lap and. Um, uh, I think, as you say, Zarko has found the the environment in which he can thrive. Yeah, Leish always said that whenever he was racing for Aspar on the ART bike, he always felt like he was 10 foot tall. Yeah. He could do anything on the bike. Now, I'm not too sure how useful a 10 foot tall MotoGP <laughs> rider would be, but he always felt like he had that level of confidence, and that's what it takes. And when you look at Moto3, there's, there's only one man riding with that kind of confidence right now. And yeah... Danny may not go out and win this weekend, but he doesn't have to go out and win. Yeah. I think what he did in the last two races, coming from 31st up to 4th and Le Mans and getting 
such a strong result in Mugello as well. Like he's looking really smart, really confident, and I think you'd have to look at it right now and think that the championship is his. Yeah, I mean, the, the, to lose really. Yeah, the, the, the surprising thing about uh, about Danny Kent is that he. I mean, when you talk to him, it's like talking to a thirty-year-old, and then when you talk to any other, any other Moto Three riders, they are quite clearly sixteen-year-old boys who are completely mental, and. Um, uh, Danny Kent doesn't have that. Danny Kent is very... Um, uh, he has a plan. He seems to start every weekend with a plan, which... Oh, three riders don't have plans. They don't have plans beyond about 35 nanoseconds. Basically, make it up as you go along. And um, uh, and really, Kent hasn't done that at all. He has a plan. They, the whole team starts, uh, starts every weekend with a plan, and they work to it. And they, and they have a plan B as well. So if something goes wrong, they've got something to fall back on, and, and it's really paying off for them. Yeah, Magello. He was talking to us after qualifying, and it was like, "My plan is, I'm going to get to the front. I'm going to try and break away." And we asked, "Well, what happens if you can't break away?" And he said, "Well, I'll drop back through the pack. I'll see where everyone's strong, and I'll see where I need to be in the last five laps to be able to make sure I'm at the front on the last lap." That's exactly what he did. Yeah, you know, and he did the same at Le Mans. He did the same at other races this year. If he gets the opportunity to go in and make a break, he'll go and do it. Otherwise. He's now in the position where he, he knows he just needs to do what Vinales did when he won the title. Yeah. Just consistently finish on the podium, pick up your wins when you can, and you'll the championship will take care of itself. I think he's done a really good job of being able to compartmentalise what's actually happening on track and be able just to look at it and say, well, this is what I need to do to get the best result this weekend. The championship will take care of itself and it's firmly out of his mind. It's something that I always find pretty interesting when you talk to riders because they'll all say, I'm not thinking about the championship. No, 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 I'm not thinking about that. I'm just focusing on this one race and things like that. But it's a total lie. Well, it is. You know, I remember I was talking to, talking to Haji about it and he was saying that whenever he was going for the Superbike World Championship, whenever he was doing anything other than sitting on the grid waiting for the race, he was thinking about the championship. But once he was on the grid and the visor went down, he went out, did a sight and left it. You know, came to the grid and the lights went on. All he was thinking it was the race, and I think that's what pretty much every rider will be in the same sort of mindset as well. But Danny's managing it very well. He's been helped by the fact that his uh, opponents keep on failing because every time someone uh, looks like becoming a championship contender, they uh, manage to fall off or have a bad weekend or whatever. Uh, there's been there's a, a lot of riders at the front who are basically. Um, take it in turns to either finish first, second, third, or finish fifteenth or fall off. Uh, Quasararo is an example, um, but every time it looks like um, uh, Danny has a has a rival, then he that rival manages to take himself out of contention. And, and Danny is the only constant. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting that this weekend Oliver has picked up his first win. And can he kick on from that? Fanati's been strong lately. Bastianini's been very strong, and it looks like those four are going to be the four title contenders. I think Quattararo. It's probably too much too soon. Yeah. Not so much coming in and winning races, but I think going for a title. But he's going to be strong in the second half of the year once he's again found out exactly how he needs to approach a full weekend. He's only going to get stronger. Yeah. But. We- but then again, he could end up if he does get stronger at the end of the year. Uh, at the end of the year, by that time, it could be a long way behind. But he'll be taking 
championship points away from people who are genuinely in with a shout at the title. Yeah, that, that's more than likely what will end up happening. I think no one's going to be surprised when Cotteraro starts winning races. Yeah. But to be able to to be able to come in and do what he's done as a 15-year-old in Qatar, and he's only 16 now, I think it's hugely impressive. Yeah. Bastianini came in last year, 16-year-old, and from this race onwards, actually, is where he really got strong, I think. So he'll, he'll be feeling confident now that he's got the, the Honda working right, that he'll be able to pick up a, a few wins over the, the summer as well. So Danny's probably not going to have it all his own way for the next few races, but until he starts slipping... Yeah, you can't you can't rule out anything that he says. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens the first time he finishes eighth or tenth or something. Just to have the first time he has a really bad weekend, that'll be that'll be the measure of it. We saw a little bit at, at Le Mans, but he made such a fantastic recovery of that. Uh, the team made a terrible decision. Um, it, it was a gamble which just totally went against them. Uh, but again, Danny Kent made a fantastic uh, recovery from that. So we have to wait and see what happens when he has when when he can't. Well, Danny's had enough shit weekends over the course of his <laughs> career that uh, he should be able to tackle adversity pretty well now whenever he's confident. Because if you look at what what he went through the last few years, the Tectois last year and on the Husqvarna bike as well, it wasn't easy. Yeah. And I think this time last year, everyone was thinking like, you know, where's he actually going to be next year? Is he going to be British Super Sports maybe or something like that? But he managed to dig deep enough and found a certain solution that Aston, I think it was, and it, he just kicked on from there and he's been able to make progress ever since. So I think even if he has a bad weekend now, he'll still be able to bounce to back. Look, back, look past it. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, uh, that's it. We shall find out what happens on Sunday, hoping for, well, uh, there was a lot of talk about 2009 and the uh, fantastic race between Rossi and Lorenzo. We'd sign for that if that happened again. Um, in fact, you know, even three-way if or, or four-way if Dolly and Ian only could join in, then it could get really interesting. If Mark could tag along on the back and uh, uh, and spice it up, or Danny, because Danny Pedrosa, you can't write him off in uh, uh, in Barcelona. Um, I think we could have quite an interesting weekend ahead of us. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great weekend. So. Right, thanks for listening and see you next time. That is 34 minutes and 55 seconds, that's not bad. That is a bit there for